Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi. And welcome to 911 uh, Community Call. First off, I do want to apologize for not uh, doing the show last night. Um, I have a cold and I was coughing a lot, and I didn't want to uh, subject anyone, any TI, to feel like they're being targeted because I was continuously coughing. And that's one of the tactics that perps use on me, and I know they do it on uh, many other TIs also. <clears throat> so, uh, last night it was pretty bad, so I said, you know what, I'm not going to do a show tonight, and uh, I figure I'll do it today, which is uh, Wednesday, um, January 4th. I'm still coughing, but to a lesser degree. All right, so if you hear me cough, please know that I'm not trying to target you in any way. Uh, I'm not trying to trigger you in any way. It's just that I have a cold, and, um, you know, I'm, I, I have a cough. I did take some cough medicine, so that should minimize me coughing. So, welcome to the call. Um, this call is for a targeted individual. And uh, I want to talk about the terminology, TI, because after watching uh, this series with Leah Remini, uh, Scientology and the Aftermath, uh, in which they call people who they target, the Church of Scientology target, SP, meaning suppressive person. Okay? So I think we as TIs have to kind of, like, I, I, this is my thinking here, is that that's the terminology that we should adapt when it comes to describing a lot of things that are being done to us because we are being suppressed. You know, we are being suppressed. Uh, 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 we're thinking, uh, we're living, okay, our happiness, okay, our, our rights, they are, all those things are being suppressed. So, now, now also are we targeting individuals. We're also suppressive persons, okay? So last week I played a fair game in which the Church of Scientology used certain tactics in which uh, they use against us as TIs in terms of stalking, uh, spreading rumors, whether it be false or true, uh, creating negative environments, uh, going to a friend and family, to uh, get them to participate in targeting uh, us. And um, the church called us fair game. And uh, this is for anyone who had spoken out against the Church of Scientology. But those tactics are being used in us in a different manner, but the tactics are the same. So we as TIs, we're fair game because we have been microchipped, we have been villainized, and we have been suppressed in terms of to keep us from coming forward and speaking about what's been done to us, keep us from coming forward and talking about the illegal non-consensual experimentation, the illegal microchipping, the use of directed energy weapons as experiments on our persons. So in this video, just going to take it a little further and in this video, talk, we're talking about um, how uh, your family, how family members, from people who have, are outspoken against the church and who have left the church Scientology, how family members shun those individuals, how their family members are being threatened to not contact, to not include these people in their lives. And these are family members who remain within the church. But um, you can apply that to, let's say, what happened to FBI. Our family members are being threatened, are being deceived into participating in this sort of program, which is a coercive persuasion program, okay, 
We as TIs are being shunned by our family. We as TIs are being disrespected by our family, are being called crazy by our family. And they even try to condition us, or have conditioned some of us, to just not have any contact with family members. So the situations are different, but again, the tactics are the same, and you have to understand and recognize as the only way you can overcome some of the things that's being done, particularly in the psychological realm. So let me start the video. Uh, here it is, uh, the Air Remedy, Scientology, and the Aftermath. This episode is called Positive.
fight for your family. Fight for your daughters, your sons. Get them out of this thing. You're not going to continue to lie to people and abuse people and take their money and their lives. If I can stop one, then I'm going to do it. I think it's so crazy how many of you live in the same neighborhood as the church. <laughs> like, you know, well, in California, I don't even want to drive on the freeway near Celebrity Center. I feel like they're watching me. Flag Today is what's called the Flag Service Organization. It is the spiritual headquarters of Scientology. The Flag Service Organization, the Flag of States Organization, the Religious Technology Center, the Commodore's Messenger Org, and a few others. All of those things form what's called the Flag Land Faith. So we're going to be talking to Aaron, and now his wife doesn't want to speak on camera. Right. The reason why Scientologists don't speak out is because they usually have family members in the church, and it is a moral sin to speak out against Scientology. You can leave quietly. Don't put any pressure on any family members not to do Scientology, but if you speak out against it, um, pressure will be put on the remaining family members in Scientology to disconnect from that family member. This house here on the left, Leah, Heather's mother and father own that house and rent it out. And they come here often, and that's Aaron's house right across the street, and they do not talk. They see Aaron and Heather outside, they go inside. And they have, they have friends. And they have three beautiful daughters who are... Uh, so their kids will be out here and their grandparents ignore them. Correct. It's so f- disgusting. It is. It's, it's really gross. My name is Aaron Smith-Levin, and I was a Scientologist for about 29 years. And I was in Scientology until two years ago, 2014, when I was 33. How are you? Nice to meet you. He just told me that you sent your babies over there and their grandparents both... My mother-in-law, she is the one who was much more nervous about it and would go inside and then the, the kids would go in the house to find her and he, she, they couldn't find her. She'd yeah. But she would hide. Yeah, she would hide. And not because she didn't want to see them, because she didn't want to get in trouble. Because the church said, it is not okay for you to see your grandchildren and for you to be over there and see your grandchildren. Everything you're doing right now, you're doing it because you think you're somehow trying to hold the family together or what's left of the family. But just the second generation and the third generation, all they know is Scientology is the reason they don't have a f- family. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. My mom was raising me and my twin brother, Colin, as a, as a single mother. My parents were never married. We were living on the East Coast, so we were in like South Jersey, Philadelphia. Her whole life, she always had the feeling that there has to be something more, something greater to life than, you know, what we see and what we spend our, you know, day being concerned about just, you know, day-to-day life. There has to be something more, something greater that gives it greater meaning. She felt like she had found something in Scientology that gave her the answers in a way that made sense to her. And she jumped in pretty, pretty heavy. She joined staff. She decided to work for the Church of Scientology pretty much right off the bat, like within the first few weeks. I would say the first moment when Scientology started to be something that I personally was paying attention to, right, as opposed to just being something that my mom was doing. That first moment was in the 1993 IAS event. So the IAS is the International Association of Scientologists. That event was particularly to announce the IRS tax exemption. October the 1st, the IRS issued letters recognizing Scientology and every one of its organizations as fully trusted
I think that, that if the exemption had not happened, that Scientology would still be around in some form, but it would be far less powerful and have far less money than it does now. I would like to believe the IRS had been persecuting Scientology forever, and David Miscavige was now the first one to ever make the IRS recognize Scientology as being fully tax-exempt. Scientology did have tax exemption before, and it took it away because it found Elmer Hubbard was using the money for his own personal gain. I never knew that. So I'm watching this event, and it culminates with the announcement that the war is over, and everyone goes crazy. You know, it's like a 10-minute standing ovation or something like that. And I just remember the feeling of elation that I personally felt as a 12-year-old. And, you know, I'm not even sure I considered myself a Scientologist, really, at that point. I'm not even sure I gave it much thought. But at that event is when I was like, okay, this is something. That was a big thing. We won the war, you know. The IRS had finally acknowledged we are a real religion. We are a real church. You will stop attacking us. You understood that, wow, the government is saying what I'm doing and what my mother's involved in is legit. Exactly. Yeah, so that's a powerful message we're sending to parishioners but to children. We are a real religion. We are a real church. You will stop attacking us. That was a big thing. And that event was the start of a huge campaign to recruit people for staff and send them here to Clearwater for training to be auditors. And that's when my mom started explaining to me as best as she could what it meant to be an auditor and that the idea was we were all going to join staff to, to all train as auditors. We're ready to audit and audit and audit. Hours and hours, every day. Auditing, in theory, is those steps that you take toward attaining spiritual enlightenment. What happens in this auditing is they have this thing called an e-meter. You would sit with a person who's trained in the technology of helping people to get rid of this part of your mind that is reactive, that is causing you to think bad thoughts for yourself, making bad decisions. So you're trying to get rid of this reactive mind in this auditing. The e-meter tells the auditor you are in the right direction. We basically... uh lived down here in Clearwater and stayed right down the street at the Hacienda with all the Sea Org members who were the clergy of the church. Really. And how old How old were you guys? So I was um, 11 or 12, uh, probably closer to 12, and um, and my brother was the same age, and children. Children. And um, it was hard at first, and then you get used to it. <laughs> we didn't realize it at the time that our trip to flag was part of the first Golden Age Tech training evolution. David Miscavige had come up with the new way of now training all auditors, that it had all been being done wrong for the 50 years previously. He had now discovered the real way that it should be done. So every auditor in the world had to be trained newly in this golden age of tech. You know, the whole IRS tax exemption was really protecting the religion. But now David Miscavige was kind of moving into his role of shaping um, I hate to use the word scripture because it's old. Scientology doesn't have a scripture. But shaping, shaping the scripture of Scientology. So to a purist who feels that the only true things in Scientology are things that came out of L. Ron Hubbard's mouth, many feel that that was the first time David Miscavige changed Scientology to match his own image of what he felt was proper Scientology. And I know I'm speaking about it slightly derisively, but I had no problem with the fact that we were being groomed to be the new and the best and the greatest thing that ever happened to Scientology. And I really embraced it, actually. For the next three years, I basically lived as a Sea Org. And what, what does that mean? 
you're studying Scientology full-time from, you know, 8.30 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. And those are your study hours. I mean, you're up at 7, you're in bed at 11. And who's taking care of you? Well, in a respect, we're taking care of ourselves, but our mom is there, too. She just lives in her own apartment with other women because it's segregated. Could you imagine your children living in an apartment by themselves? No, I mean, it seems crazy. But, you know, as a child, you're thinking, I'm pretty important. I'm doing some important work. Do you have this now mission? that, That also... I think is a mental absolutely for children. So what's happening with your schooling? There's no schooling going on. No. no. And you're studying Scientology. You're studying Scientology full time. And that might sound like a really tedious, boring experience, but me and my brother Colin are doing this at a time when there's like a thousand other people from every city in the world yeah. doing the exact same thing. It, it really reinforced that thing like this is the sh- yeah, and you're part of something this is, powerful. We are on the I'm crest gonna... of the wave of yes. something important. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, and we both really excelled in what we were doing. We were being acknowledged and recognized for how well we were doing in our, in our training. So David and Scavenge had put together these two special courses that were supposed to be the hardest versions of these courses ever done. These drills that auditors in training do to practice how to use a new meter in an auditing session, they're videos. So there's a camera from behind shooting the e-meter dial with the needle. And then there's a camera shooting the auditor in training space. These mock auditing sessions are recorded and scrutinized, looking for any mistakes on calling the e-meter read incorrectly. It's going to be reviewed by the supervisor and passed, and then it's going to be sent to international management and passed. Colin, at the age of 14, was the first person to ever get a final video pass on how to perfectly operate an e-meter. Flag is supposed to be the best, highest level Scientology church in the world. Yes, the Mecca. And the auditors here are supposed to be the best auditors in the world. Yes. And so it, it, might, it might sound a little absurd, but, you know, my brother Colin was held up as the standard of the first person to ever learn how to correctly operate right. an e-meter. Right, not all right. <laughs> right, but, right. Yeah. So that kind of launched my brother Colin to kind of a little celebrity status at Flag. Yeah. And then David Miscavige decided that the video that people were doing to finish the program at the time when my brother finished the program that he wanted the video done a different way. So he made everyone who had already passed this video on how to use the meter properly. To do it again. To do it again and do it in a way that made it much longer and much harder. Right. And Colin couldn't get through it. Right. I think he felt really embarrassed that he couldn't pass this video the second time. Also in Scientology, there's kind of a principle that if you're not doing well in your courses, it's because you are doing something unethical that you're not being honest about. Like the way they describe it is, if ethics is in, then the tech will go in. So if the tech doesn't seem to be working well, it's because you are being unethical and you haven't come clean about it. So when he went back to try to do this video the second time, you know, he was getting a lot of pressure um, that there was something wrong with him that he wasn't getting this done. And so one morning when we got up and were in line to go to the, to get on the bus to go to the buildings where we study, instead of getting on the bus, he skipped it, called my dad in Minneapolis and said, I don't want to be here anymore. Dad said, take a cab to the airport and bought him a ticket to Minnesota. Really, once someone blows, they are considered to kind of be a criminal. Scientologists believe that someone leaves Scientology for one reason alone. They have crimes. They have transgressed against the good of Scientology and that it is their moral obligation to unburden the person of their crimes for having left. So they will spend as long as it takes interrogating the person as to what the crimes are that they have conducted that has caused them to want to leave. So my mom got on a plane to go get him, and they brought him back. So he's now gone from being the superstar to 
someone who is now Scientology demoted and now his existence is going into a room that is being filmed and recorded with somebody who is badgering him for transgression. Exactly. Over and over again, hour after hour, what have you done? What transgressions don't we know about? What are your evil intentions towards David Miscavige? What are your evil intentions towards Scientology? What does it do to a person who's continually put on an e-meter and ask, what are your crimes? What are you hiding from me? Um, that has to do some damage to a person's mental state. And that's what the church does continually throughout your Scientology career until eventually you just become a zombie and you just let it go and you just go, it's not worth the fight. So day in, day out, your brother's being abused and he somehow gets through this. He gets through it and he decides to stay. After all was said and done, he stayed and he... um, was considered part of the group again, and he went back on to his uh, training. And then David Miscavige decided that anyone who was training a flag who had previously blown was now no longer qualified to be a flag. And unfortunately, that included Colin. Now he's being kicked out of flag. No one asked flags told my mom she should go with Colin. She wasn't expected to go back to Philadelphia with my 15-year-old twin brother. She was expected to stay. Isaac, when he was going back to Philadelphia, he was definitely sort of scared and apprehensive about being sent back on his own. And I feel that he would have been embarrassed to my mom just stay with him. So he goes back to Philadelphia, of course, as a failure. You're supposed to go back to your church once you finish your training. Right. Colin's sent back as just a nothing, a piece of failure. And, and how old is he now? He's 15. He should be in school still. Right? At the time, I was not upset with my mom for letting this happen. I was more upset with Colin for being such a screw-up, you know? So I finished my training. I'm a superstar because I was now the first. I was now the first person in the world to finish the training I was doing. I still felt like I was kicking my ass. The extra time that I spent at Flag, doing that extra training, being responsible, living the Scientology life, has put me in a better position to control life than what I see in my brother. I guess he got a GED and um, he enrolled at the University of New Mexico. And he was really excelling as a student. He was, a, he was like an honor student at UNM. And through some phone calls he had with me, he had said he's writing college papers on how Scientology is a destructive cult that tears apart families. Is literally how he communicated to him. Oh. You can't call Scientology a cult and be taken seriously by a Scientologist. Right. It's a Scientologist that's you can see somebody's face that you've been looking at your whole life and then when they say that you're like you're a f- right. you're insane you're you stop being my mother right. you stop being my sister my brother my husband my wife and you become a crazy person in our eyes right. I was fighting the critics of Scientology, even as a young child, I was told to stand out of the corner and hand out Scientology pamphlets. I remember people hitting it out of my hand and, and yelling, you're in a cult, you know, dad's a cult kid, you know, and it was like the hatred that was coming towards me as a young person only solidified that I'm, I'm, I need to fight and I need to defend this church of Scientology. They probably wouldn't have any members if they didn't create the world as your enemy mentality. I mean, honestly, if you ever hear me characterize my state of mind at that time as being similar to the Hitler youth, it's just blind allegiance, unflinching allegiance, and no remorse. I got off the phone with him. I, I wrote a big report on him and the conversation, and it wasn't even, it wasn't like a vicious thing of 
finally get my brother kicked out of the church. It was my brother is committing suppressive acts and has been for a long time. And what was the suppressive act you, you felt that he was publicly attacking and departing Scientology? For that, he wrote an internal report called the Knowledge Report in right. Scientology. Knowledge reports are things that Scientologists are expected to write and report to the church about non-optimum situations. Scientologists are expected to write such reports because they believe that by writing them, the person who is transgressing in some fashion or doing something wrong will be pulled in by the church and corrected, and that will be for their own good. If you are found guilty of a crime and somebody knew about it and didn't tell us, they're going to be punished the same. So you learn that I better write this thing up that I heard about because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble just like the other person. So you'll write somebody up. doesn't matter if it's your husband, sister, child. Their personal relationships are being corroded over time. So it's easy to walk away from someone. It's easy to be disassociated from any real emotion from people that you love. Knowledge reports are the epitome of a snitching culture. And the intention is to help the person, not to hurt them, but it does create a fear factor. So you do knock on each other. And the church has put this there's policy in play under the guise of, well, you don't want to, you wouldn't just watch somebody put a needle in their arm. I mean, you love them, right? And helping them means reporting them. Basically, you said, my brother's disaffected. He's now an enemy to us. I was like, you, you're going to attack me. You're going to attack my church. You're going to attack my mother. You're not really my brother who loves me anyway. Right. <clears throat> and so I wrote the report. My mom wrote a report as well, and I think about four to six weeks later, we got the official word that Colin had been officially kicked out of the church. Officially kicked out of the church, and that means that nobody who's affiliated with the church can talk to him. Right. And if they do, they would themselves be, be kicked out of the church. Right. And long story short, he sent me an email afterwards like, you guys are dead to me. And I realized what he's doing there. He's doing to us what he already knows we're going to do to him. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that because it makes me feel less guilty about running a report on him that's going to get him declared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that any of us had to make any decision about that at all. Right. You know, or that, you know, unconditional love does not exist in Scientology. Right. Gail was watching us film the interview with Eric. And she has to leave. She, she just couldn't even watch it. And I couldn't imagine her pain of having to deal with the guilt that she gave up her son because she thought she was helping him by doing this. The church was telling her, look, push him away, shun him. That's the only way he's going to return to the path of Scientology. Unconditional love is what Scientology is. I mean, the Scientology family turns their back on their own family because they're not in good with the church. I finished the two years left on my staff contract, and then I joined the C organization. And the fact that I had a declared brother did sort of follow me around as a problem in the Sea org. My brother was always hanging in the background as a potential problem with Aaron. He has a declared twin brother. I met my wife, Heather, in the Sea org, and she was in a higher level organization than I was in. It was tradition in the organization she was in to ask the commanding officer for permission to get married. 
it's supposed to be for show. It's not yeah. literally supposed to be approved or disapproved. Right. It came back disapproved. The fact that I had a declared twin brother and also was in touch with my father, who was in touch with my brother, prevented me and Heather from being able to get married for a while. So I was technically still connected to my brother, even though I hadn't seen him or spoken to him in over a year. Right, it wasn't enough. They made me find something that said I would disconnect from my father so that I could get married. Right. My father's never been a Scientologist and has never said one negative word about Scientology to me. How do you take this connection to that level? You can't get married because you talk to your dad who talks to your brother. I mean, the stupidity is incredible. Well, at this point, I only talk to my father a couple times a year anyway for like 10 or 15 minutes at a time. And I was like, look, I'll sign whatever you want me to sign, okay? And I said, okay, fine, I'll just get to my father. No, I say that nonchalantly because in my mind, I wasn't disconnecting to my father. I was just getting a piece of paperwork out of the way so I could get married like it was a joke. And about six months after I joined the CRG, I get a, a phone call from my dad. I called him back and he said, there's been an accident and your brother has died. <laughs> so I just lost it. I said, um, having to call my mom and tell her was probably the worst experience of my life. Because I know that I know that my mom was very, very much hoping that one day, somehow, everything was going to change and things would get better and she would be calling again. So so I had to to wake her up. I called her. She answered the phone out of it. That's Scientology had caused in his life. He didn't talk about it much when he was going to college, other than in his papers. I know this because when I went to the funeral, I met all of his friends, only some of whom even knew he had a twin brother. I walked into the building. I said I wanted to see his body. And then I walked into the building where that was going to happen, and his girlfriend was sitting there, and she, she looked at me and she almost passed out. She didn't know he had a twin brother. I thought it was a walking into the room or something. I got to meet all these people when I went to his funeral who had been involved in his, in his life for the last three or four years. I went out with his friends for dinner after, after the funeral. And they're like, boy, your brother hated Scientology. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he really hated Scientology. It took me about a year or two after I left the Sea to be comfortable reading on um, media that was critical of Scientology. 
when you're in Scientology, you you believe what you've been taught, what you've been brainwashed. Most of us are second, third generation Scientologists. You're raised in it. You believe that outside sources of information mean Scientology harm. Because when you are a Scientologist, you go in every single day. Two and a half hours a day, minimum 365 days a year, correct? Yes. When you're going in, you're reporting to your ethics officer or in session, you're reporting to your auditor. So you feel that you can't withhold anything. Right. And you have to say, I Googled something. Right. So to save yourself pain and agony, you just don't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. The mindset that I had was very, very hard to shake. And what shook it was in 2009 when the St. Petersburg Times did the Truth Rundown series of articles. And high-level executives from the church, like Marty Rathbun and Mike Rinder and Tom Novak, were saying how incredibly abusive the environment was at international management. For Scientology to be true, international management had to be a utopia. Nothing but highly trained Scientologists and veteran CERG members. If that place is an unpleasant and abusive place, then Scientology is not true. And so it was electrifying. It was eye-opening. All Scientologists know who Mike Rinder is. They see him five times a year at almost every international event. And he's a key speaker introduced by David Savage. In my entire, it's embarrassing to look back on and admit, my entire time on staff and working for the church, never occurred to me that anything I was told was false. Right. Ever. Right. It didn't even cross my mind. Never. Never. That is what kept me in. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, the, the, um, the St. Petersburg Times truth run down was the beginning of the end. Yeah. Me and my mom were both, you know, reading and becoming aware of the state at the same time. Right. And we were both coming to the same conclusions at the same time. Yeah. My mom and her boyfriend, her boyfriend had gotten his son into Scientology, and his son was now grown and worked full-time for the church. And, and, and her boyfriend felt very guilty that he'd gotten his son um, down this direction in life. So they sat down with his son and started talking to them about the stuff they'd been reading online. But he worked for the local church, so he wrote them up that they were now um, sympathizers of the world's biggest suppressive persons, and and she got declared. So they say she's gone to the dark side, is how okay. Scientologists will put it. In the middle of a work day, uh-huh. I get called in my boss's office, um, and essentially I get told I'm going to be declared if I don't disconnect from my mom. Before my mom got declared, uh-huh. The church actually called my employer because the guy is a VIP in Scientology. They let him know before me that my mom's going to be declared because it puts him in a legal situation of, did you fire me if I stay close to my mom? So keep in mind, the guy who's employing me and my wife Uh is asking me on the spot in his office, basically, if I want to lose my job and my friends and my family. So what happens? So for about a year, I pretend to be disconnected from my mom. And you weren't? No. Oh. Eventually, I get turned in. By whom? Our kid's nanny. Shut the f- So she found out, like, what? She saw. The kids would make comments that made it seem like they were still seeing their Gigi. Their grandma. Yeah. Like, grandma this, grandma that. She would. She wrote it up and turned it into the church. So she wrote a knowledge report. Yeah. On you. Yeah. So he laid me off just before I got declared, right? Why did he lay you off? Because if, if I get declared and then he fires me uh-huh. after having a stellar performance record for five years and getting raises and bonuses every year, then it's obviously a discrimination lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So you lose your job. I lose my job. They call Heather in and they say, you've got to divorce your husband or you're going to be declared. Just a matter of fact. You've got to divorce your husband or she says, that's not going to work out for me. We have three kids together. Okay. And within two weeks, my kids have been kicked out of the school and Heather had lost her job. Because mm. Heather worked for a Scientology company. She worked for Narconon, which is the Scientology drug rehab and then your kids went to a Scientology school. My kids went to a local private school, which is run by a former steward member. Okay. And her parents are called in. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've got to disconnect from Heather and Aaron or you're going to be declared. I didn't even expect what has happened now with my wife's family to happen. Every step of the way, I was telling myself, that could never happen. That could never happen. That could never happen. I should have known better. And even I was still naive enough to think Scientology would never do this to us. Scientology would never do this to us. And it happened anyway. 
questions like staring, staring, staring. Oh, oh. My name is a Scientology. Your neighbor's a Scientologist? Yeah, that lady over there. Sue. So let me ask you this. Is she not connected to you by living here? She's connected to us through our dog. She actually put a doggy door in her house so that our dog could have free reign in and out of her house. Like, she just loves our dog, right? Okay. When I asked declared, she found out about it, but she knew Heather wasn't declared yet. Okay. So she had a talk with Heather, and she said, okay, let's have a conversation on how to handle the disconnection and how we're going to handle the disconnection with the children, but I don't want to disconnect from the dog. <laughs> the dog wouldn't understand. Aaron, you're a liar. Fire. These were not come out of her mouth. Voicemail recorded. <laughs> she said the dog wouldn't understand. I wouldn't want him to feel like I, you know, didn't want to see him anymore. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, but the kid. But the children. The kid told me did. The children get it. Right. The animals, that's crossing a line. <laughs> you know, I think if Scientology wants to still be around in 20 years, they need to cancel this connection because they're killing themselves. As much tragedy has happened, a lot of good has come out the other end. Our life is much happier now. I never would have imagined I'd be able to live the life that I'm living now. We don't have to worry about our friends spying on us or turning us in or reporting on us. We can just live our lives the way we want to live it. Can I get a hug? Oh, my goodness. I want people who are still in Scientology or who are on the fence to not be afraid to leave if fear is the only thing keeping them in. Because Scientology instills that fear for a reason. They don't want you to leave. They want you to think the world is a terrible place. The world is a great place to live. You can talk to me. What would you like to, to talk about? Well, no, no. I just want to check with somebody from the producer or... I'm the, I'm the producer. I'm the, I'm the producer. Producer Ballard. Yeah. Okay. Alex Ware, so... Okay. Cool. And what's your name? What is your name, then? You don't know your name? Why can't you tell me your name? <laughs> All right. There's a lot of cars with, like, um, tinted windows that we're seeing over and over. Oh, there's that. Oh, that's a bad step. That's interesting. Hey, hey, Leah, how's it going? So we're um, downtown in Clearwater uh, shooting B-roll, and did it take more than 30 seconds for security to come out and ask what we were doing? And I told them that we were doing a, a documentary. Are you guys being followed now? Um, this man has also been there for quite some time. They know it was very, very sure. Okay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, you should expect it now. You should expect it to fall on you. You should expect, you know, you have a lot behind your door and you know, what's your business. And, and you know, balance your children. The Church of Scientology is accusing me of inciting hate crimes. Brandon Razor drove to the Church of Scientology and threw a hammer through a window. Should have been in a psychiatric hospital. We're dealing with mental illness. Who are these people? Why are they doing these things? They're just taking it to a level that is so vile. I'm not going to be intimidated. The church will get exposed, and I'm not going to stop.
So, um, that was the end of the video. Leah Ramini, Scientology, and the aftermath. This episode was called Audited. Now, um, as I said, you know, the tactics are the same. So, for example, when, um, you know, he talks to one of the guys who was uh, uh, in Scientology, he talks about how family members are usually uh, told not to contact uh, a person who has left the church or they send them after, especially the young teenager on the age, they send the parents to get the child and bring them back and go through more brainwashing and conditioning. And it's all this. It's, it, I mean, all religious, uh, all religions, uh, you know, engage in brainwashing in one form or another. That's what it is. Anytime you've, you've, you've place blind allegiance to anything. Okay? And particularly to something or to someone that is not related to you in any way, shape, or form, uh, you know, there's some brainwashing involved. And these people know exactly what they're doing. So, you know, again, and then being followed and you know, it gives you it gives you an understanding of the mentality of cult members, right? Of cults and people who are involved in that organization, in any organization, whether it be religious organization, whether it be a political organization, sports, government. Uh, it, you know, it gives you an inside look into their mindset, and it gives you an inside look into the mindset of the of the perps. When you leave your house, and the person inside your house, whether it be family members, and so you get to, you know, for me, I get to see and get to understand that, you know, the level of conditioning that these people go through, are being put through, participate and engage in the suppression of uh, a TI. You know, it, it goes, it goes through that. And you know, and I remember one point. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, this was before I, be, I was a. Uh, 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 this was before I realized that I was being targeted. Before my target went over, because I'm sure before that it was covert. But my twin brother, his uh, targeting became overt, and I, I believe it was nine, 1996 or 97. And, um, you know, he was living uh, uh, a few blocks away, like about, maybe like, you know, about 20, 25 minutes away from where I live. And, um, you know, we, we kind of, like, lost touch with each other. We never got, we never really contacted each other like, you know, we had previously done. And I began to look back and look things and I said, well, why is it that we kind of drifted so far apart, you know, with twin brothers and, you know, we, always, we do a lot of things together. We hang out together. We have a party. We have the same school together, same college together. You know, we did almost everything together. And, you know, it wasn't until I became a TI that I realized that, you know, hey, that, you know, I was being conditioned to not, you know, to kind of distance myself from him without even realizing it. You know? And so... And so whether it be using the people around me, so if I'm like, you know, I'm, com- I'm coming over, I come over on the weekend, so all of a sudden to have, you know, at the time I was single, not dating anybody, I'm just, you know, just, just, just you know, partying, having a good time. You know, and have, you know, a young lady before me, be like, hey, you, you want to go out for the weekend? And I'm like, all right. So I would, like, ditch him and go out with his video. But I guess I understand. That's, that was all part of the tactics. That was all part of their tactics, you know? to keep us apart, 
And so, you know, now we're we're pretty close. Um, you know, we speak to each other, you know, almost regularly because we, again, he's a TI and stuff like that. So we went through a lot together, being that we're both TIs, uh, sharing stories about things that happened and stuff like that, and you know, uh, and understanding how he felt because he was a TI much longer. He was his cognitive became overt much longer than mine was, you know. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I you know, I have a different perspective on, on a lot of things when it comes to being a targeted individual. You know, and, and how they can use TIs against each other because they've tried to use my brother and I against each other in a way that, you know, if he wasn't my brother, we probably wouldn't even be talking. You know? And so we have to work past that that trust issue and that blaming issue and, you know, uh, you know, you just constantly like, you know, I, like, I, I felt like you knew what was happening to me, but you didn't want to say, I said, I didn't, I had no idea. I had nothing, not a clue. I said, other people might have, but I didn't have because, you know, I don't think that they would come to me with any kind of BS about you because they know that I wouldn't stand for it. So they had to wait until, I guess, they kind of, decided that, hey, you know, we're going to manipulate him and then we're going to put him into this uh, program also. And so, you know, again, uh, you know, uh, and that has taught me a lot, you know, in terms of our interaction with each other, you know, because I've, you know, I've known other TIs over the years and um, some, some, you know, we don't speak anymore because of the uh, manipulation that took place, and others we still see. You know, the few, you know, I'm talking about maybe you know one or two people, uh, other TIs. You know, as opposed to I've spoken to quite a few over the years. And so, um, what I, I just you know think of it like you know what, as a TI, I have to find other TIs who are like mine, and um, you know who have been through the whole. Uh, the manipulation tactics and came out with a better understanding and, um, you know, as, as as myself, because, you know, early on in my talking and I came up some of these calls and, you know, people will con- were constantly arguing back and forth with each other, calling each other perps and stuff like that. I, I was part of it too, you know. But as I said, experience is the best teacher. You know, you get to understand and see how, you know, we all can be manipulated you know, and there's no fault of our own because they have the technology to do it. You know, microwave, you know, thylacine uh, spectrum, V2K, you know, uh, bone conduction. You know, they have the technology to manipulate our mind and our body. And so we have to understand that. You know, so... Uh, and, and the situation here in the video, it's talking about how, um, you know, the guy's wife losing their job because uh, he was in contact with his brother. Now, how do they know he's still in contact with his brother? Because they tapped his phone. They bugged his phone, which is illegal, by the way, you know. And which, you know, when they, they bug our phones and they invade our privacy, it's illegal. It's illegal what they're doing. But they're hiding on they're hiding behind the law. They're hiding behind because they know that though there are those within law enforcement who fully well participate in giving them information about TIs, we have TIs. You know, they have the technology to bug our phones, to hack into our computers, to enter our homes, you know, either to go to the landlord or if you're uh, are you know stealing your keys and making a duplicate and stuff like that, or even getting you to go get up in the middle of the night, open your own door without you even knowing it, okay? To do some silence on spectrum. That's a technology in which you know they can condition you when you're sleeping subconsciously, and they can get you to do whatever you know certain things. I shouldn't say whatever, but they can get you to do certain things like open your door, you go back to sleep, and um, you know they do whatever. It's the technology that they have. I've experienced it time and time again. It took me a, a while to figure out what was really happening and um, doing research. I found uh, Dr. Richard Miller, who was one of the uh, pioneers in the silent sound 
that spectrum technology for the government. And he worked on these things. He was a, he's a physicist so, and um, worked on these things and, um, you know, got to the website and then, you know, I had a full understanding of, hey, you know, I feel like, well, how, how are they coming into my in my bedroom? You know, my door's locked. They're still coming in. You know, I barricade my door. They're still coming in. You know, my windows are locked. They're still coming in. It's because they use technology on me to, it's like sleepwalking in the night, you know. You get up, you, you, you know, you're not consciously awake, you know. So it's, it's, it's the same thing that, that they do Yeah, but you know, I mean, that's that's you know, the tactics. Like I said, if you just listen to the tactics that these people are using, it's the same tactics they use on SSPI. It's just a different situation, different circumstance. But the tactics are all the same. And um, you know, there's a website called Factnet.org, uh, and this was. This lesson was created by a person who was in Scientology and had um, left the church of Scientology and actually sued them because they tried to destroy this person's life. Okay? And um, so this person created this website and to give you all, you know, there's tons of information on here on Manipulation, progressive persuasion programming, tons of stuff here. You know, what is the destructive cause? Because ultimately, these people are perps, perpetrators, they're involved in a cult. And it's a destructive cult. A cult that has many members in all institutions, in all walks of life. And then their goal is to uh, destroy the lives of the person who they're targeting or who are the suppressive person. Now, why have these calls took a set on us? Because of the government. Illegal experimentation, trying to cover their ass, trying to silence us. So they get the call to do their dirty work. That's that's you know, that that's my take on it, you know. And so, you know, this is a very very good series. You know, uh, yeah, I should 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 watch. And you'll see firsthand. You know, even when they're filming, you know, they're being followed, they're being stalked. You know, when they're coming out from the airport, they're like, well, how? How do they know where 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 we're landing? Because they hack into the uh, the system and find out what flight you're on. You know, but these people are you know expert in hacking. When they can hack the flight list to find out exactly what flight you're on and when you're landing, and to be there when you're landing. You know, illegal things that you do. Same as with yeah. Our perps, are, they're criminals. They do illegal stuff, stuff. And you have to have that mindset in terms of describing who they are. They are criminal. They are criminal-minded people. And you have to understand that. That's why, like I said, I have no respect for them because, you know, of what it is that, that, they're, that they're doing. I have zero respect for them. So uh, let me um, post this uh, link. In the chat, let's see. I'm going to get on the right page here. All right, so the link I'm posting talks about uh, progressive mind control tactics. These are the tactics that they use 
on TI. And this is just one of the psychological programs that they run on TI. Mind control, progressive mind control tactics. Okay? And there are seven tactics. Seven tactics. That they use. And once you have to, you have to understand and learn the tactics, of, you know, as a means of fighting back. You have to. Okay. Well, all right, folks. I am going to call it right. And thank those who uh, those of you who came on the call. I appreciate it. In the chat, I appreciate it. And um, I'm going to say have a good night and uh, enjoy your weekend. And I will speak again next week, hopefully Tuesday, which is the regular day that I do my show. Unless something comes up, I'll try to do it on Wednesday. I don't do my shows because probably I'm, you know, very busy taking a rest. They have to excuse me, but I will be on again, okay? They have tried to shut me down for a number of years, and I'm still here. And I'll continue to be here as long as I'm able to. All right, so have a good night, and thank you again. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.